From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we actually have some good news in the space, and I'll tell you what that is coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Got an email from a listener yesterday, Reese. I remember I replied to him in his email about Bitcoin mining energy consumption, gaming energy consumption, and plastics and so on and so forth. And he replied back and says, hey, Matthew, thanks for responding to my email on the podcast, particularly as it was so long. Good counterpoints and food for thought. I can see where you're coming from. I think gaming makes an interesting comparison. And he's talking about me comparing the energy consumption of Bitcoin mining to gaming, as they use kind of the same amount here in the United States. Uh, even though globally, Bitcoin uses more, probably about eh, 40% more than gaming, it's still about 100 terawatt hours to around 75 to 80 terawatt hours. And anyway, Reese continues to say, without easy figures at hand, I would take a guess that there's more PC gamers than Bitcoin users. That's probably correct. However, it's also true that both would benefit from more sustainable energy mixes, and perhaps legislators should be looking more at encouraging decarbonation of the grid overall than penalizing high energy industries on their own. It feels like something we could be working together on, crypto and regulators, rather than discouraging businesses from starting up. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Reese. Reese, thank you very much for the email. I agree with you. We should be looking at encouraging decarbonation of the overall grid. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about, which I think is very, 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 very overlooked is the energy efficiency of these old power grids. Look, when I did a podcast on Bitcoin's energy consumption, I went through like uh, government data. I really went and did a deep dive on electricity, our power grid, energy, uh, how it was produced, what kind of energy mixes a Bitcoin is using, and so on and so forth. And I found that in the United States, our power grid is super inefficient. And generally, globally, energy is super inefficient. We're talking about 60% of all energy is lost in transmission, is lost through the lines, is not used or consumed. So basically our biggest waster of energy in general is our own power grids and our lack of having efficient energy production, transmission, and consumption. And so if you really want to cut down any kind of CO2 or any kind of uh, wasteful energy practices, let's invest in a good power grid and energy efficiency practices that allows us to produce what we consume and get it to the consumers without a lot of losses along the way. Okay, so that's enough of global warming and Bitcoin mining energy consumption and so on and so forth. Uh, But I do want to ask you guys a question because I haven't heard a lot of opinions on this, uh, but I really want your opinion. Again, Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. This is about influencers and how much responsibility influencers have to their sponsors of their channels. Uh, For example, Pomp, Graham Stevenson, and a lot of other people were sponsored by FTX.us for a long time. And Graham, I've watched his show quite actually often. He always has some good topics, so I tune in. He has been consistently 
over the past, I don't know, six months to a year saying FTX US and getting and encouraging people to uh, buy cryptocurrency on FTX.us with promo codes for like free cryptos or whatever. Anyway, it was just encouraging people to put their money or use FTX.us. And now just about 11 hours ago, Graham comes out with a YouTube video saying, hey, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, tell people to do something that was going to go bust and take all your money, which I believe that he didn't. But how much responsibility do people have to pick the right winners and losers when it comes to, you know, what you promote on your channel, especially if you're a trusted channel, a trusted figure that people will listen to you if you say, hey, do this. Or is it something that just people should have common sense about? Know that it's commercial. Know that they're getting paid for this. And know that uh, it's your own risk. I want your opinion on this. How much responsibilities do influencers have? And with that, you know, we have ads on this channel. I don't know if you bought the life insurance policy that we have been promoting for the past couple of months. Or I don't know if you invested in Avalanche. We've been doing Avalanche. Uh, I think we're still doing Avalanche commercials on this show. So it's like how much responsibility should we have to know what we're putting up there? Or if it does go bad or the price does go down, is it on us? Is it on you? Is there a mix? Let me know. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Because I think that this is an interesting conversation that people are now having about FTX because of the massive loss of people money and the influencers that are promoting them for quite some time. Now, speaking of money, let's get into those crypto prices. And the time is 9.37 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have Bitcoin sitting at $16,409, up 1.3% in 24. Ethereum's at $1,211, up 3% in 24. Tether's number three. Binance is at $300 even, up 1.3% in 24. And Binance is actually doing really good compared to this market. And USDC is number five. Running off the top 10, we have BUSD, XRP, Dogecoin, which is on a tear, 31% in 7, up 7% in 24 hours. It's at 10.2 cents. Cardano is number 9, and Matic is number 10. The total market cap of the space right now is sitting at $833 billion, up 1.7% in 24. We have a BTC dominance of 37.9 and F dominance of 17.8. Moving into today's headlines, and at the beginning here of this podcast, I told you that we had some good news in the crypto space. Let's call it Web3 for this one and DeFi. So investment in emerging technologies overall fell for the third consecutive quarter, with deal values reaching $4.7 billion, down 32% on the spring's $6.9 billion. But here's the good news. Web3 and DeFi projects are still the largest areas for investment in emerging tech beating out fintech and biotech. In the third quarter, investments in the sector was around $879 million. And about $6.5 billion has been poured into the space over the past 12 months. And so in summary, what this is showing us is that even though people are holding on to them dollars and making sure that they're waiting to deploy their capital because we don't know what's going to happen with the economy, global situations, China's a mess right now that's going to really hurt people. We have a rail strike imminent maybe. So that's going to disrupt a lot of our supply chain. I just heard about one third of all products that move around the United States come from rail. So if there is a strike, that's going to really hurt. So people are not deploying capital. But if they are deploying capital, it looks as though they're putting into Web3 and DeFi projects. 
You know we can't go a day without FTX news, and this is actually FTX BlockFi news. The recently bankrupt crypto lender, BlockFi, is suing FTX's CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, well, ex-CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, to obtain shares of Robinhood he allegedly pledged to the company as collateral earlier this month. BlockFi alleges that Sam Bankman-Fried's investment vehicle, Emergent Fidelity Technologies, in partnership with EDNF Man, a London-based financial services firm that acted as a broker for Sam Bankman-Fried, has custody of the collateral that belongs to BlockFi. The assets were pledged to BlockFi under the terms of an agreement made on November 9th, according to the filing. If you guys remember, Sam Bankman-Fried first bought his 7.6% stake in Robinhood in May of 2022. And at the time he bought that, it was worth around $600 million, which could have been purchased with stolen customers' funds. So uh, shouldn't those stocks be coming to us, maybe? I mean, well, not me. I didn't mess with FTX, but the people who mess with FTX. Anyway, BlockFi says those shares should be theirs. In other BlockFi news, BlockFi owes more than $1 billion to three of its largest creditors, including $30 million it has yet to pay to the SEC as part of the $100 million settlement that was announced in February. Altogether, BlockFi owes its 50 largest creditors around $1.3 billion according to its bankruptcy filings and has between $1 billion and $10 billion in assets and liabilities. Those liabilities include $729 million owed to Ankara Trust Company. And to complete our FTX news today, FTX announced today that it resumed ordinary course payment of salary and benefits to employees worldwide and certain non-U.S. contractors. And this comes a week after FTX's legal counsel filed a motion to pay compensation, benefits, and relief to its employees and vendors. In the motion, FTX said that the company would not pay anything to Sam Bittman-Fried, Gary Wong, Caroline Ellison, or anybody related to those guys. An official statement from FTX's new CEO, John J. Ray III, said in a statement, FTX Group is resuming ordinary cause cash payments of salaries and benefits to our remaining employees around the world. Ray, he says that the company is making these payments to preserve business operations, subject to the limits approved by the bankruptcy court. He added, We recognize the hardships imposed by the temporary interruption in these payments and thank all of our valuable employees and partners for the support. Candy Digital started in 2021 and it's a sports and entertainment NFT startup that is valued at $1.5 billion. And today, they're laying off around one-third of their 100-person team. Candy Digital was founded in 2021 by Michael Rubin, who's the executive chairman of sports merchandise giant Fanatics, along with Galaxy Digital founder Mike Novogratz and Gary V. In October of 2021, Candy Digital announced that it raised $100 million at a valuation of $1.5 billion. Candy launched with the official MLB or Major League Baseball license and has sold a number of collections based on the league and its teams. Since then, the firm rolled out other sports licenses, including a partnership with the WWE and all of NASCAR teams, but not the league itself, just the NASCAR teams. But as we all know, we're in a bear. NFT sales have fallen dramatically since the beginning of the year, with about 87% less total trading volume in October of this year compared to January. And I know you're probably saying, are they just isolated or are other people in the space, in the NFT space, doing the same thing, laying off employees? Well, Dapper Labs, the maker of NBA Top Shots, one of Candy's biggest rivals in the NFT sports space, laid off about 22% of its workforce earlier this month. And the biggest marketplace, the biggest NFT marketplace, OpenSea, they let go around 20% of its workforce in July. 
And finally, Kraken is ordered to pay some money to the U.S. Department of Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control, agreeing to pay a weird amount of $362,158.70 for violations of sanctions against Iran. The agency said this, Due to Kraken's failure to timely implement appropriate geolocation tools, including an IP address blocking system, Kraken exported services to users who appeared to be in Iran when they engaged in virtual currency transactions on Kraken's platform. So, from October 14, 2015 to June 29, 2019, the agency said that Kraken processed 826 transactions, totaling around $1.68 million for people who were determined to be in Iran at the time. As part of the settlement, Kraken invested an additional $100,000 in distinction compliance controls. And I said that that was a weird number, that $362,000, because I don't know why or how they got to that amount. It didn't say that in the article. So if anybody knows off the top of their head, let me know. Matthew Ernest Crypt.co. I can't find why or how they came to that number. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. I'll be back tomorrow. And until then, happy Huddling everyone. <laughs>